Get your popcorn ready for the College Baseball Insider Show with Matt Grissom and Quentin Mills, giving you all the insights and analysis you need for the weekend slate that college baseball has to offer. are your hosts ready to dive into the top matchups what is up college baseball fans i'm matt grissom with college baseball insiders joined as always by q what's up man a little tired i was waiting for all these technical difficulties to go away yeah 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 i was playing (laughs) it guy uh so we've got an exciting guest if you're into college baseball, which I hope if you're here, you are. We're going to bring in Johnny VTV. What's up, Johnny? Yo, what's up, man? Uh, I like the intro video. Of, of course, Thanks. I had to guess that you had nothing but Arkansas going. You know, two highlights. You didn't have anybody else. Like, there's like there's no other college baseball teams in the country. <laughs> no. not, not that play on TV as much as Arkansas. So, unfortunately, if, you know, if your Tennessee volunteers had – uh, pretty good season or something. We may could fit a, a clip or two in there, but no. And unfortunately for Q, he just kind of had to deal with it because, as you see with the Florida Gators hat, Florida probably had a couple of highlights with some big grand slams and stuff. But yeah, that's I had those on uh, on a uh, on my library already. So we, we don't have, we don't have to live in the past with a highlight reel. We live in the present with some World Series rings. Yeah, and there's that too. <laughs> So, starting this thing off, I mean, let's talk about the biggest story right now. Bo Hannon is out as the Alabama baseball coach, and there was some speculation earlier in the week with there may be there may being some uh, leaked information that changed the odds, and some betters may have capitalized on this. I'm not real sure what the full story is. Can't wait to see it when it comes out. But what are your initial thoughts on Bo Hannon being out? Is this bad for college baseball? I mean, I would say personally, you know, this is a this is a problem to where initially I didn't think anything of it. Just based on the report I read, there wasn't really that much information dished out. It just made it seem like there was a large wager money line and then a, a parlay, both involving LSU. But the fact is LSU is the number one team and has been the number one team in the country all year. And in this particular matchup last Friday against Alabama, they were throwing Paul Skeens, or maybe it was Thursday, regardless. Game one of the series, Paul Skeens, who's been the number one pitcher in the country, arguably the guy who might go number one overall in the draft this year, featuring LSU as a huge favorite. I didn't really think anything of it. Like for somebody to come in and throw – three, 4,000 bucks on LSU on the money line at minus 245 wouldn't be surprising to me because this was deemed a layup. And we we talk about this all year long. Anytime Paul Skeens has the ball, it doesn't matter who it's against. We deem it a layup. There is nobody that's more of a sure thing than Paul Skeens. So to me, that wasn't really the issue. And then they fire the coach, which – now makes me start thinking that they didn't fire him for no reason. They must know something. Maybe he was the one that was betting LSU and he had somebody in different states putting it in. So that kind of worries me in that regard. And the reason why it would be alarming him is 
we're just kind of getting, and I feel like the three of us are big contributors to this because there's not many people that advocate college baseball, especially in the betting space. And, and, and we are, we do this all the time. We're very committed to it. So I don't want this to become a shining light on college baseball. The one time it gets highlighted. And then now this affects the rest of the league and the country and, you know, being able to bet it. So, you know, th that is the cause of concern for me, but in terms of actually knowing something, it didn't matter because it's LSU, it's Paul Skeens on a Friday night. So it has no bearings. Yeah, I think you said it well. I think you hit all the points. Um, $5,000 isn't anything in any other sport, but it is in a sport where there's just no um, heavy gambling uh, countrywide, really. So it, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, it's weird that it, you know, again, the narrative, like you just said, it's, it's Paul Skeens. I mean, nobody thinks twice about that. Uh, my only thing is like you said, maybe he had a, a family member or a close friend that he was in a circle with that, that made the bet. And uh, he, because of the lack of gambling or the lack of, um, I don't even know what, what, I guess it's just a lack of gambling. Like you don't have to go through a million bet slips to figure out who's attached to who in terms of a name piece. So it probably was an easier investigation obviously for them to fire. Um, I, I think probably the pressure of Nate Oates indirectly with the bad PR uh, of recent probably put some pressure on Alabama's AD. And then you have this situation where it's, it, it's bad look. There's obviously more to the story. In my honest opinion, it's not going to come out. They're going to try to hush hush it as much as they can. So they don't have kind of what happened with the basketball team uh, kind of go down. So, I think we're going to kind of be in the dark on this unless you have an insider, but I feel bad for the kids. I mean, he was a good coach. He was obviously building them up back-to-back uh, -back years. I thought they were a solid program. I was looking at their numbers today. They have a you know great pitching staff. They're, they're actually a better team statistically than I thought they were. So they're definitely going to take a couple notches down. If you can find a line, I'll just say right now, hammer Vanderbilt in this series because the turmoil and the, and the confusion and of in the whirlwind of what's going on for Alabama baseball does not bode well for this weekend. Have yeah, you found a line, I, by the way? I, I haven't seen a line. All over the place. Can't find it. <laughs> no. Can't find I it I haven't at all. seen one. And how scared do you think they were if they did hammer LSU? Because they had an 8-1 lead, then Alabama started to come back in the end. It ended 6-8 final. But you talk about having a lot of money on, on LSU, and then Alabama starts pulling ahead, and you're the head coach. What do you say? Y'all stop scoring? I mean, it's a – that's a tough, a tough predicament, but in baseball, it's never over till it's over. And um, as Johnny knows well, that we lost that under on that game, which <laughs> just seemed like to be a lock. And then, unfortunately, it, it ended how it did. But uh, I've got the preview card up if, if we want to hop into it with uh, Alabama and Vanderbilt. They I'll just are, so you uh, know, Matt. Uh, yes. I haven't even seen a line for this game anywhere, and that includes on your Oaklawn and Saracen. I think I think altogether, once this thing kind of happened, they just pulled the lines in general, and this really sucks because we might not see a line for Alabama for the rest of the year, and we're not going to. There's no chance. They, I mean, the good thing is this is the last meaningful game that we would bet on uh, with Bama because they have A and M, and then I think they might have Ole Miss to end the year, if I'm not mistaken, but. I think ultimately here, this this might become something where if the NCAA makes a decision sooner than later, 
Bama's in line to be in the tournament this year. Uh, you know, they're a 30-win team right now. It's very surprising that they're having this kind of su- uh, success. I think they could possibly get booted from the tournament, and maybe we bring the 65th team that would be in on, on a, in their stead here. So this kind of affects it for the rest of the year, not just this weekend, which is a very bettable line for the Vandy boys. Yeah, I really don't give them any – any chance in this series. I mean, just given everything, you know, they, you're looking at it 22 and seven at home. I mean, there could be some good things happen on the bump with Luke Holman, who's their best pitcher. But outside of that, I think Vanderbilt's going to be too dominant from the mound. And while Vanderbilt's not been too impressive as far as the hitting side of the ball, I just think Vanderbilt's going to ultimately be able to use their experience to, outlast Alabama. Like I said, uh, to open up the show, if you can find a line, I highly doubt you will, but if you can find it, lay Vanderbilt with confidence. I think you can throw the stats out on this weekend. I think just the the drama and the news stories are kind of going to gut Alabama. Um, I don't know how the NCAA, like to your point, Johnny is going to take this. I don't know if there's players involved. Maybe we haven't heard of yet. You know, like there have been some collegiate stuff in the in, the, in years past. My inclination would be that they don't punish the kids and they allow them to play, uh, you know, pending that they have a semi-successful end of the year, maybe a win or two in the tournament. But I could also see this derailing the uh, the, the, the remaining schedule and they, they pretty much lose every series from then on out. I think ultimately here, you know, it, from what I've seen, it doesn't sound initially like any of the players are involved. Uh, you know, I, I don't really think. I think it's would pretty be. isolated. Yeah, it, this this kind of sounds like that, but you know, it might not matter. Uh, this listen, Alabama is not a team that has probably any hopes to even go to the College World Series, let alone win it all. But fact is, you know, it's great for the school to, to have a team that makes the postseason and, you know, makes a run. You got a the football team that's all time behind Nick Saban, who, you know, along with the basketball team, who was the number one team in the country for a long while this year. Both of those programs have their indiscretion. And then now the baseball team is finally catching up here. And, you know, something like this happens. And we haven't really, at least from a team perspective, in any sport in college heard of any kind of malpractices going on with the betting. So the issue is now, I think it's a big deal overall, not just for college baseball, but for all of college betting in general, because the fact of the matter is even though some of these kids played Alabama, they're not going to the next level. And some of them, you know, might want to make their money when they can. And that's not to say that any of them are involved, but this kind of opens up the idea that that could potentially be possible. And, you know, that's where the whole idea of, of gambling comes into play as maybe, you know, something to worry about when it comes to these young kids really is what they are. But isn't all gambling just a race to information? I mean, you just saw in the NFL draft, you have things change, you have stuff leaked. I'm texting with Tim Murray right here. He said, it's, I guess because it's baseball, it may be easier to flag, but that seems excessive. This shit happens all the time. And it's just like you get injury information right before an NFL game. I mean, the, the yep. team personnel knows if your star wide receiver is not going to play 
and he, but you see him out there, you know, padded up, ready to go, looks fine. And then right before kickoff, it's nope, he's out. So, I mean, yeah, but it's not, but it's not a race to information in every single case. Like, it doesn't matter who Alabama had starting. Like, you're going against Paul Skeens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like, for instance, for instance, it's not like you had an inside source that you knew Paul Skeens was going to be scratched. Therefore, you, you you hammer Alabama because the number's too large, even against a right. team like LSU. Like, you're there's no pitcher right now outside of Rhett Louder that I would say can truly contend with Skeens. Maybe, you know, Dollander is getting his stuff back together. That's not the point. But there, there's nobody that can contend with him. So it doesn't really matter. It's a moot point. Paul Skeens has been by far the best pitcher in the country. And it doesn't matter who your starter is because it, it's just – it's a moot point. The guy's going to go for 10 strikeouts and probably give you a quality start every single time out. Not to mention has – one of, if not the best offense featuring the number one overall prospect in Dylan Cruz, who's batting almost 500. I, I just, to me, that doesn't matter. It, 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 it's totally irrelevant in this particular case. So I'm going to go out of order, but transition into the LSU Auburn matchup. And if I can get the slide to pull up here, geez, what are we doing? <laughs> what uh, the heck is this? While he's getting that going, Johnny, there was a pretty infamous uh, collegiate player scandal in the mid-90s. Stephen Smith from Arizona State was notorious for shaving points in games, whether they were favorited or uh, the dogs. So I'm not saying that the Alabama guys are involved in this. I do agree with you. I don't think they are. I think it's an isolated situation. that has been done, though, at the collegiate level. I mean, that guy was scamming millions. Yeah, but that's different because the 90, you can't, you can't talk about the 90s to now. That I mean, depending on when in the 90s, that's 30 years ago. And the NIL yeah, but the, money. The principle's still there, though. The principle's I mean, still yeah, there. But the, the fact is, the only reason players would do something like that is if they were in probably a deep gambling debt or sure. they wanted to make some extra money. But nowadays, with, with players being able to capitalize on NIL deals and there's opportunities to make a lot more money. Uh, I just – I don't know if I see it because even somebody that's probably not going to end up having a long pro career being a first-rounder, if they tag along on a major league roster, you know, they could still get the rookie, which is well into the six figures, which is very comfortable. And, you know, listen, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it's very highly unlikely that in this day and age, unless a player is in serious, serious gambling trouble, we're talking like six-figure trouble – that they would pull something like this and be involved. I mean, it just, it, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. Or unless you're Calvin Ridley, that's just careless and stupid. <laughs> limits were that high in college baseball. I mean, I can't, no. what look, would it be letting what, you what, get what down more than, you know, five grand on a game. Yeah. But what could it be? What, what, I, I don't what know. I mean, be? 5K yeah. at most. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's hot. Maybe 10. Yeah. So, talking about that guy, Paul Skeens, on the bump, he's pretty good. Uh, we started putting in these series previews as we get closer to regional time. Just the team overall pitching. I know we've talked, you know, at nauseum of great pitchers, but then they put in bullpens that just don't get it done, so it's hard to base your entire handicap. Uh, cough, cough, Chris Flynn. You can't base an entire handicap around one pitcher who goes four or five innings. So we've added that as well as, you know, going back to the impact pitchers and hitters. 
But this series, and, and we talked off air, LSU and Auburn is are just one of many where a ranked SEC opponent are going on the road to face an unranked opponent. Do you think madness ensues this weekend like it did two weekends ago? Or do you think these these road favorites get it done? I don't think so. I, I think Auburn uh, kind of put themselves on notice last week by beating South Carolina. I think LSU has kind of been scared uh, between midweek games as well as the Kentucky series. Uh, but I think Auburn's overrated. You look at their their team pitching and team hitting. They're not good stats. It's not sustainable to, to win at that level over the, uh, the, the course of an entire season. I just don't see Auburn. I mean, we already know they're going down 0-1 in the series Friday night. I, I, I now Christian Scott and who, uh, or, uh, not Christian Scott, Christian, um, little, little, and, and whoever else they throw on the, on the, uh, the last day. I just, I don't see Auburn being able to, to out, out swing LSU. I mean, even if LSU's pitching staff, now their bullpen kind of did well, uh, last weekend. I, I don't think Auburn can, can win in a, outright offensive duel and I don't think LSU's pitching is that bad to where they can't contain an Auburn Tigers offense I mean you know this is going to be one of those where LSU is going to be favored probably on the opening tomorrow at I would say with Paul Skeens on the mound they're going to be favored by like 230 235 uh easy you know Auburn had a great series last weekend against South Carolina who that was that was a pitiful showing that was terrible that a, a, an elite offense and a, a strong pitching staff just couldn't figure it out against a Tigers team that's not good. They really aren't good. Uh, no sense of the word do they have anywhere that's elite. Um, but I think LSU, they recognize, you know, they're closing in on an SEC title perhaps. Um, and, you know, they still have to garner that number one overall seed, which right now looks like it's going to be theirs. But, I mean, Wake Forest, like pe- – Teams and people are just not recognizing Wake Forest for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they play in the ACC. But I think the Tigers obviously got it done on Friday. It's going to be a, a nice leg and a parlay, as it usually is with teams on the mound. I mean, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. I do think Auburn should win one game in this series. And, you know, if you've watched LSU the last couple of weeks, they stole one from Ole Miss on, on that Sunday game. And then they stole one last week against Alabama in game two when Bama went up six to one and they just had a meltdown. So I would think Auburn takes one, which one I don't know. But I mean, it's not even at this point worth it to bet on LSU unless you're putting them in a parlay on a a Friday night. You know, you really have to consider like, is this team capable of winning it all? And now I listened to a guy, um, I don't remember his name, a guy for LSU radio talking about how good LSU is. And he's like, oh, well, it's not definite that they win, but who's going to beat them? And not one time did he mention the bullpen. Like you talk about schemes, you talk about the offense. Like, okay, obviously those are elite, but he didn't talk about how bad this bullpen's been. This is the same bullpen that almost gave the lead back on Friday night against Alabama when they were up eight to one. Like this is a team that has implosion written all over them because you know, Paul Skeens can go out there, give you seven innings, one run, 13 strikeouts. And LSU, if they're going against the wrong pitcher at the wrong time, you know, they might only grab a 2 nothing lead and the bullpen could easily blow it. So, you know, this LSU team needs to be looking at what's next. And I think what's next 
is definitely uncertain at the at the very least. Yeah, I think you can always pencil in Paul Skeens to give you six or seven innings, and if it's a low scoring game, so if you're if you've got a coach that is not playing chess and trying to throw his best pitcher on Saturday. If you could keep Paul Skeens in a two-one type game like Arkansas did, you can you can take a game one from LSU, and, and it's because cooked. of that bullpen. I mean, after Paul Skeens, the team average ERA is, I mean, it's well over the the middle fours, and that's not good. That's not not going to get it done when you talk about a team like Wake Forest, who we can roll into next, but. Like, they're pitching top to bottom. I mean, look at that. Number one, number one, number one, number one in every single team pitching category. And then you follow it up by their impact pitchers that are all sub three guys. LSU, they, I don't think LSU is in a position right now outside of them just having an unrealistically awesome offensive game. I don't think they could win a series versus Wake Forest if you put them head to head. Now, you you take that information and you compare the odds at uh, DraftKings, where you've got four to one on LSU and ten to one on Wake, and you're telling me that Wake is is not should not be up there with LSU, or that LSU should be down where Wake is. But does anything stick out? I know I talked about Chris Flynn earlier. He's kind of dead to me right now. This Boston College team just continues to let me down. I don't know if I can continue to bet on them. Do you think there's anything outside of a Wake Forest series win in this? Uh, no, I, Wake Forest sweeps them. I mean, it's no, just, I don't think they sweep them. I, I oh, I absolutely know. do. We're uh, you look at Chris Flynn's shit in the bed lately. Henry League, same thing, and whoever else they decide to throw. Uh, I don't see their offense is anemic. You look at their they're not even sub 100 category in anything. At least you know the the top five stats. Boston College is overrated, and and maybe if they were home, they could steal one. But where who loses? Louder, Hardor, or Sullivan? And the reason I say that is they were woken up by Pitt. I think Pitt really pissed them off when they held them out, you know, three nothing, and then they just went on a, a forty run spree. I think Wake Forest was woken up, and and quite honestly, I think any line. From now until then, just keep doubling and tripling it up on weight because I, I don't really think there's a team in college baseball that can beat them right now. I mean, I, I agree. I think Wake Forest is by far the best team. I think they're way better than LSU. I've been saying it for how long, you know, every single week. That 10 to 1 is too much. 10 to 1 is value. They should be 7 to 1. And, you know, the fact is, I, I just I don't understand why. You know, Wake Forest doesn't garner the same respect that LSU does. There's nobody right now that has a better pitching staff front to back. Their offense is elite. They're going to have a first rounder this year. They're going to have a top five pick next year. They, they're just they're a great team with no weaknesses. And, you know, Wake Forest, they probably would bet pretty much every time. I just, you know, the Chris Flynn starts, I understand how dangerous it is. But, um, you know, I, I just – I have a feeling like Wake Forest can't keep winning every single series via the sweep. Uh, you know, they could always have one of those pit games where they just don't score at all. But ultimately, you know, this is probably for the ACC right here. If if Wake Forest wins the series, even sweeps them, I don't know if any other team is going to be able to, to catch up. Because, you know, yeah, you have Duke, 
who Wake Forest already beat. I just don't think I don't think any other team is gonna really catch them. Louisville's pretty much done. Virginia's pretty much done. UNC's done. Um, Miami has an outside shot because they've been playing overall pretty well. And uh and it's Duke, and that that's it. But I think this is pretty much the stamp for Wake Forest to wrap up the ACC this weekend. And uh, as long as they don't have a meltdown over the, over the next couple of weeks. Yep. I would agree. I think Wake does end up getting the sweep. They're 24 and one at home and there's an error on the Boston college number. They are not 20 and seven on the road. They're nine and seven. I guess uh, dyslexia got the best of me there. Uh, moving on to the number three team in the country as we go one, two, three. Um, South Carolina Gamecocks, they travel to Lexington to take on Kentucky Wildcats. The Wildcats have been a roller coaster ride of a team this season. They're now two and eight in their last 10 games. They take on a Gamecocks squad that is coming off a really bad beating by Auburn. So, do you think South Carolina bounces back, takes care of business? I do. I, I, they're just too good. I think we've consistently seen that all season. We all saw the week two weeks ago where every team either got swept or lost a series. It's going to happen. It's outside of Wake Forest. I mean, I didn't expect anybody, and I quite frankly didn't even expect Wake Forest to sweep the series. I mean, if Tennessee's team couldn't even do it last year, that, that tells you something because that was one of the most dominant teams I think college baseball potentially has ever seen on a season-long standpoint. I, I think South Carolina kind of bounces back. I don't think they win – uh, on a sweep, I think they they lose a game. It, it, I don't think it's going to be Will Sanders. I think he kind of bounces back, and I think he's starting to gear up for the SEC tournament, you know, mindset as well as further on. I would say Zach Lee or Bosma is going to pick up the win. If I had to guess it, I probably would say it's going to be on Mahone, uh, Mahoney on game two if that's who they decide to throw. Uh, I just think that he's probably the um, the game two star is probably the most vulnerable for South Carolina because I think Hicks has pitched really well. Um, the offense is anemic for Kentucky. You look at their numbers. I mean, they have timely hitting. Obviously, that matters uh, to an extent, but they don't have consistent hitting. They're one of the worst teams. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say worst teams. I mean, about 292, but all your elite teams are above 300 and and outside of South Carolina, South Carolina has the home runs. Kentucky doesn't. I mean, they have tied for 249th with 28 home runs. South Carolina could put up two, three runs on a single swing. So give me the, uh, the Gamecocks game one, and then uh, they'll figure out a game two or three win here. So Matt, do you remember what I said last week on our show? What, what, what did I say about South Carolina facing Auburn? Mainly Will Sanders. This was one of those series that they don't show up for. Why is you that? You are absolutely correct. So, I, in in all fairness, I'm, I'm going to paint the full picture. I'm going to paint the full uh, the full picture. So, basically, what I said was, and I did believe South Carolina won the first game and the, and they won the series. But what I said was, the problem is, Will Sanders and mainly South Carolina in general, they tend to not show up when it comes to playing the the middle of the pack teams they kind of skate through think that they're going to take care of business even though they're just going to go through the motions and not putting any effort into it and that's exactly what happened against auburn like i, I made the point that 
against Florida, against LSU, against the top teams that were worthy of your full focus and attention that they come to play. And ultimately, that should be the case for regionals, super regionals, uh, college world series, whatever. But in terms of these kind of weekends when they're playing not top tier programs, and you know, Kentucky is a top 25 ranked team. You, for the most part, and they have been for a while, but they don't really scare you. These are the kind of games that South Carolina is just kind of taking it easy. They take their foot off the gas. They don't really play with any sense of urgency. So I do think Kentucky's going to take one game. At least they could take the series. I just don't know which one it's going to be. Will Sanders has had the impeccably horrible um, character trait of not taking these kind of games seriously. So, you know, at least until I see what happens in game one, I probably won't give a true handicap for it. Maybe I would look at something along the lines of an over for game one if it's, let's say, 11 and a half when we get the line tomorrow. Q, anything else? No, I gave you mine. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Uh, do you think Ethan Petrie is the freshman of the year? Hands down. Hands down. I mean, realistically, or what the vote's going to be? I think Conan. What the vote's going to be? Oh, the vote's going to be Ethan Petrie. But I actually think realistically, if you've watched college baseball, obviously we, I say you is in a generality. I think Charlie Conan's put up some damn good numbers and, and is certainly – deserving of uh, some high recognition. I don't think Petri's hands down the winner, uh, but I do think he's going to easily win strictly because of the team success. Uh, I, I feel bad for Conan that his team sucks in comparison to what South Carolina's doing, but uh, you know, Petri, I'm not, it's not taking anything away from Petri. He's having a hell of a season, uh, but I do think Conan is, is worthy of recognition at least on our show or anybody else, but the voters are going to say otherwise. And any Charlie other years, Condon. Yeah, in any other year, oh sorry. Yeah, no, it's in any other year Charlie Condon wins this. Uh it's just timing is a, a lot of times is an issue. Uh, you know, Petri's been awesome, but at the end of the day, Petri is a guy who, especially since South Carolina is gonna at the bare minimum make the regionals, this guy's gonna probably hit 30 home runs. He's gonna break Tommy Tank's record last year of 27 for a rookie. Uh this is a guy who's gonna challenge Ivan Melendez's record probably uh at 33. You know, Jack Caglione is going to break it most likely. But, you know, Charlie Kahn has been off the hook this year. This guy, in most years, is a true candidate for a Golden Spikes Award. But the issue is all the other guys who are in consideration, they're on top-ranked teams. And, you know, that's an unfortunate pairing because, you know, Kahn is doing everything he can. But, you know, it's kind of like the MVP award. Yeah, you can have a guy with six stats, but if the team's not good – or if they're not an elite unit, they don't have a chance to really win it. Like at that turns point, into a popularity contest. Exactly. Exactly. And we don't know if Georgia's going to make the tournament. I, I mean, they're probably going to be in the field of 64 if the season ended right now, but we don't know that they, they are a coin flip to make it or miss it. A big step in Georgia's progression to make the field of 64 would be to take this series against Tennessee, who has been red hot. They're finally coming along. Johnny, I ask you, as the resident Tennessee fan, is Tennessee back? I think they're back. I think they're back. And I, I think, you know, I bet them preseason at 8-1 to one to win it all. Maybe a little bit hasty that I should have waited. 
but the way they've been playing is kind of what I expected this year. I expected them to be close to finishing the job like they did not in 2022. And, you know, after watching them the last two series, I, I love what I'm seeing. They took down a top team in Vanderbilt. They won in a couple different ways. They won via the blowout. They won coming back on a Friday night with Carter Holton on the mound and, and you know, walking off Nick Maldonado, who's been a top three closer in the country this year. Also an alumni of my high school. Shout out to Seton Hall Prep in New Jersey. But, you know, Tennessee has shown a lot of resiliency and they've woken up those, those bats. That's what we wanted to see. We wanted this team to start hitting the ball and they indeed have. They've gotten a lot of production from guys like Blake Burke, Jared Dickey, uh, Griffin Merritt. You know, it, it's been amazing to see. And honestly, their pitchers are coming back. I think they found the role for Chase Burns right now. This guy has been elite as a as a closer, as somebody that's got to go two, three innings, and he's got the stamina to do so after being a starter. And Chase Dollander overall, I think, has, co- has come around. And, you know, I was a little pissed off with that start against Mississippi State, but – very soon after he got pulled after the third inning, Tony V comes out and he's like, listen, like I'm not making excuses, but this kid has been direly sick all week. He hasn't practiced. So I think Dolly might be back. Beam's back. Uh, you know, I, I think the volunteers are ready to make a run this year, and it doesn't matter who gets put in front of them. I, I think they're going to have a great chance to beat anybody this year. That includes LSU. That includes Wake Forest, Florida, uh, South Carolina, any of these teams they can beat because I do think the Volunteers are back. And I, I want to add one thing, Q, before you take off, but that road record for Tennessee is a little concerning, 2-10. and 10. And as you saw in the Arkansas-Georgia series, which I'll admit Arkansas is nowhere near Tennessee in the pitching category, but you saw what Georgia was able to do at home, and you know they may have to get some momentum back to, to be able to do it again, but Q, what do you think? Do you give Georgia a shot here to take a game or two? Yeah, I think they get at least a game. I don't know if Tennessee can go back-to-back-to-back sweeps. I think that's just tough in general. Um, I want to give credit to Andrew Vinson. He's pitched lights out since going into the Friday or the game one uh, slot. So, you know, credit to him. He's really showing that he can be a guy next year that's going to be a wagon. You know, like you said, Dylander seems definitely more comfortable uh, he was sick, obviously. We saw those reports, but he looks good in that game, too. It's almost like he's not stressed again. Uh, it seemed like he was maybe trying too hard in game once to be perfect. And when you try to be perfect is when you become very imperfect. So I think he's I think everybody's just kind of relaxed. If you look at the team last year, I mean, they were, you know, at times overly cocky, uh, but they had a good, confident composure, a presence, um, just uh, a stance about them. Right. They, they walked on the field with their chest high saying we're going to win. You didn't see that earlier this year. You saw when when Boston College kind of took them down in the extra innings, that really deflated them, and they they had to learn how to essentially overcome adversity because they're a pretty young team. And, and, and when I say young, it's like they had four or five guys, you know, that were all able to step up last year. It was really Vital's point to figure out, okay, who's going to be those guys last year? Uh, and, and I think we're starting to find it. You know, you look at Griffin Merritt couple big home runs for them. Christian Moore's really got his his hitting kind of together. There's a uh, left-handed freshman. I'm drawing a blank. He hit the, the game-tying home run uh, against Nick Maldonado. Like, those guys are stepping up, so you're seeing the the good side of Tennessee. I think they're back. I think this series uh, proves that. I'm going to just go ahead and say that already. But I, I don't think they, they sweep again. I think they're going to ke- catch a loss somewhere. Um, I just – the problem is, man, I, I – 
maybe game two with Dollander. I mean, and the only reason I say that is Charlie Goldstein is, in my opinion, one of the better pitchers for Georgia. I thought he's had really good showings against a good Arkansas team, against a good Florida team, and he he held his own. So I don't think he's scared of Tennessee. I think Dollander is the most hittable out of the two because he kind of overthrows that fastball a little bit, and I think guys can kind of tag on it. But I don't think Tennessee uh, loses a series by any means. So real quick before we move on, before we move on, Matt, uh, I agree with you. I I think it's hard to sweep and, you know, a team like Georgia can hit, that is their power. They're a team that can put up nine runs on you. Um, So I I do like though, the fact that we're taking Andrew Lindsay in the Friday role and Lindsay, I'm sorry, not if you can, if you can notch the win with him on a Friday, then you have two cracks with Beam and Dollander on Saturday and Sunday to grab the series win. So I think ultimately with that category of, of pitching, I, I do feel like, you know, Tennessee should take this series and the next week's series against Kentucky, taking four straight series into South Carolina. And then once they play the Gamecocks in South Carolina – then that's going to be one of their biggest litmus tests of the entire season. But, you know, Tennessee on a Friday night against Georgia, I probably would stick with them. And, you know, I don't know when I'm going to fade them, honestly. I I think just given the way Tennessee's been going, I would probably just keep playing them at least Friday and then kind of go game by game from there. Yeah, that's the hardest part is if you can say that they're not going to get swept, you got to figure out which game they win try to handicap it from there. But I don't think Tennessee is going to be less than probably minus 200 all weekend. So at that point, it's just kind of watching, see what happens and and watch those pitching rotations. Because you don't want to throw in uh, Tennessee in a big money line parlay if, you know, you've got a, a pitching matchup that you don't like. So no still, parlays this weekend for Tennessee. No parlay. Yeah, keep them out of parlays. Uh, moving on to the – the man with the F on his hat, I'll let him kind of take it from here. But the Florida Gators go to uh, College Station, there you go, to take on the Texas A&M Aggies, who are coming off uh, getting swept by Texas A&M. Q, do you think Florida does the same thing that Arkansas did? I don't know if it's a sweep. I think Brandon Spro gets the win on Friday. Uh I was a little nervous when they went into Tennessee just on the road. You know, it's always tough to play on the road in the SEC. They take two of three. Uh, I I had a little nervous earlier this week just because you really just can't ever count out the Aggies officially. They they win games they probably shouldn't with the pitching staff that they have. You see flashes of Detmer. He could look like a, a dominant number one, but then he can look like one of the worst pitchers on the staff. So you just don't know what Detmer you're going to get. Uh, but I'm confident in Brandon Sprout. The one concern I have is actually with Hurston Waldrop. He's pitching almost as good as you can without being perfect, but he gives up two bad pitches a game, and they end up being home runs. And it seems to be just maybe it's bad luck. They're never solos. They're always two, three run shots, so they kind of uh, compile that on, and they, they kind of have to battle back. I thought – Cags looked pretty well last week uh, in consideration to some of his other SEC starts. I don't think the Aggies are going to be a super threat to them. They just don't bat really well. I mean, they bat a 272 average. That probably plays into his hand. 
I I think Florida loses a game. If I had to say a game, I'm I'm probably gonna say it's gonna be Cags. Um, I think he's the worst starter that they have out of the three. So I think we get it. And both times I've worn this Gator hat on the show, they've won the series. So I'm pretty confident. Johnny, so I'm probably I'm probably gonna go with you know Spro on Friday. Uh, against most likely Nathan Detmer, uh, you know, but, but right now it, it really depends on the numbers because again, this is going to be one where Florida is going to be at least minus 200, most likely every single game. And I got to be honest, I'm, I'm more likely at doing something I typically don't do looking at a Friday and a Saturday over because you got guys like Sprout and Waldrop who, you know, as good as pitchers as they are, they're not polished yet. They're guys that can get hit. They're power pitchers that get touched. And I think ultimately here, the likelihood is I would lean towards higher scoring games in both of these outings. I think Friday and Saturday, at least one of these games is going to hit and over. And I probably would play both because if you just look at it, you know, Waldrop, Waldrop's given up nine earned runs in his last two starts, four home runs. And this is a guy who gives up a lot of home runs because he'll miss pitches or like a lot of power pitchers do. They're going to challenge you with a fastball, say my pitch is better than better than your bat, and they miss a spot and a guy takes them deep. That happens all the time in the major leagues, in college, whatever it is. And, you know, I think most likely the best play here to avoid the VIG is going to be taking the over uh, in a couple of these matchups here. But, you know, for my money, I probably would take Florida on a Friday night as well because I, I would think the Gators take two out of three here. AM is kind of like Georgia. They're a, another one of these teams that's on the borderline of, of making the tournament here. I, I imagine they're going to make it, but it's just, you know, what seed do they get? Are they going to be a three? Or, uh, you know, at that point, they have to make sure that they win enough games to keep themselves in it. Florida's already going to be a host, so they're they're pretty set. They're not going to win the SEC most likely, but they will probably host a regional. So at this point, it's just staying healthy and just trying to find some some grooves and hot stretches before going into June. And last but not least, with the preview cards, we'll talk about another team who may be a regional host, maybe not, with the pitching woes that the Razorbacks have faced. But the Arkansas Razorbacks, they go down to start Vegas to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And I am very nervous about this series after getting swept on the road versus Georgia. And now we've had another pitcher go down with an injury. Dylan Carter, who was a, a pretty solid closer for us, who stepped up big when Tiger went out. I don't know what it is with Matt Hobbs, our pitching coach, and what's going on up on the hill. But that makes five pitchers that have been injured with UCL strains or sprains or tears this season. And I feel like that that's a, a ridiculous amount. So I don't know. I don't really have a great feeling as far as the pitching rotation, what it's going to be. I would like to see Hagen Smith resume his role as a starter, but it's probably going to be uh, Will McIntyre actually going Friday night from the way that Dave Van Horn talked. He thinks Hunter Holland needs that extra day of rest since we started a Thursday series last week. Now – uh, he just he's he's wanting to push Holland back in the rotation, so that either insinuates that it's going to be a mixture of 
kind of what they did last week with Brady Tiger coming in as that starter role, him having an inning or two, and then bringing in Will McIntyre, who did really well playing off of that that role. Um, and then you'll see kind of the same thing with Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith that you've been seeing as your, you know, Hunter will go inning one through five. Hagen Smith comes in and tries to close it down. So outside of that, I know Miss, Mississippi State is is hitting really well, but I, I don't know. It, it makes me nervous to bet it, and I'm going to take off the red glasses and let you guys dissect the Razorbacks. It's a stay away for me. I just – they're not going to – I don't think they're going to end up being a national seed. They'll be a top 16 seed for sure. I don't think that's uh, out of question unless they just – shit the bed for the rest of the season or early SEC exit. Mississippi State hits the ball well. I mean, they tagged Tennessee pretty good. Tennessee obviously was able to muscle their way through the series, which, uh, you know, is kudos to them. They're the adversity I talked about. The one thing that really uh, irritated me was Dave Van Horn's comments. Like, when they played up in Little Rock against Lipscomb, he pretty much said that, like, if the game went into extras, we were going to, with all intents, you know, in quotes, essentially forfeit the game because we didn't have any other option. Uh, I don't think you ever admit that publicly. I think that was uh, highly unprofessional. Uh, I think that tells you a lot about Dave Van Horn. Um, and, and to me, it makes me question his, his coaching abilities, his trust in his players. Now, obviously they had two pitchers that didn't um, pitch for a single out that, that obviously wasn't part of the script. I'm not blaming that on Dave Van Horn, but you have to, you have to try to win those games, in my opinion. It's a mindset. You've now lost to two weak teams in Missouri State and Lipscomb. Is that what your team's about? Like, you just don't care about winning or losing? I mean, the way I see it is we're, we're getting towards the end of the season. Every game matters. And and to have that mentality of like, oh, we don't really know what we're going to do. We don't really care that we lost to two, you know, very subpar teams. It's a it's, It makes me question Arkansas baseball right now. Uh, the pitching, obviously, the injuries – and I did hear Tiger's probably going to get about 40 to 50 pitches. Uh, I don't know how, how you know, sourceful that is or, or how credible it is, but that would help. That gets you potentially two to three innings versus the one. Uh, so we'll see. But it's just to kind of sit back and see what Arkansas is about for me this weekend. Uh, for Come me, on. I think this is, this is actually a, a tough matchup. This is very Georgia-esque for Arkansas, having a face on the road. They're facing an offense that can hit. And, like, you know – there's, there's some real firepower in this Bulldogs lineup. If you remember what I was talking about pretty much at the beginning of the year, Mississippi State was a team that I had as a dark horse, like little sprinkle to win it all. And, you know, it, it was a long shot because remember what I said, this is a very young team. They have 26 freshmen and sophomores combined. And, you know, I kind of felt that they were going to struggle until about mid-April and they finally started to pull themselves together like I kind of thought they would around this time of the year. And then they go and get swept by Tennessee. But that was not an easy sweep by the Volunteers. And, you know, Mississippi State's not going to make the field of 64, barring something dramatic. But they put a lot of good building blocks for next year. I think next year is probably the year where we're going to see this team really elevate and probably get close to 40 wins and possibly hosting a regional. Maybe like this year, South Carolina. But in any case, this Bulldogs team's got a guy by the name of Hunter Hines who's an absolute pain in the ass who – he just tees off and hits piss missiles to every part of the field. They have a couple guys that could really do damage here. And, you know, this Mississippi State team cannot be taken lightly. And, 
you know, I've been watching them all year, and the pitching has really been the problem for them. They're not getting what they need from Gerangelo Senchi, the switch pitching guy who has now been transitioned to the Sunday role, and he's been struggling mightily. Um, but I think ultimately here, Arkansas is not somebody that I'm confident in laying. Hunter Holland's been getting his ass kicked the last couple starts. Three of the last five outings he's had, he's allowed at least four runs. Um, he's just not really been sharp overall. So I do think the Bulldogs will take at least one of these games. Which one, I don't know. But if they even won the series, to me, it would not be surprising because what Arkansas has shown lately, it's it's not pretty. And they're, they did this last year, though. They started playing really bad down the stretch, and they kind of gathered themselves in the regional and made a run. So I'm not writing off Arkansas long-term, but for this series, I might just sit this one out because I don't feel confident with the Razorbacks, but I do think the Bulldogs are capable of pulling off at least one upset. Yeah. To touch on what Q said, I think the biggest thing with, I'm hearing a horrible echo. Sorry. I'm going to try to work through this, but their pitching is so depleted right now these midweeks were killing them because if if you had a guy that was going to play the weekend you couldn't pitch him in a on a road you know you travel on a tuesday and play a game yeah we played in little rock so it's not really an away game but that arkansas is is going to be glad to be done with midweeks at this point but the, the cupboard is so bare for who can pitch on the weekends that you actually trust to throw out there against an SEC opponent that, yeah, Dave Van Horn basically just said he is – he's glad to be done because outside of throwing a position player, they they had nobody to throw in that Lipscomb game. And I, and I would imagine that he was a little pissed off that they even tied it up because it caused us to throw one more pitcher – uh, so I don't know what we would have done had we tied it up in the 11th. But that is it for the previews. There are a couple other Pac-12 games that I didn't get the preview done for. Number seven travels down to Phoenix to take on Arizona State. Quinn Matthews is usually the guy to back on on the Friday night roll. Are you guys in unison there with that? Or do you think this Arizona State team being ranked number 20, do you think they're legit? No. No. I don't. I, not at all. Uh, listen, you know me. How many times have I said I do not like Stanford? I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they're a team that's really capable of winning at all. But we pick and choose our spots, and that spot is easy. You, Quinn Matthews has been one of the best pitchers in, in the country this year. He's probably been by far the best lefty starter and probably one of the five or six best overall starters. Uh, the guy's got, I think, double-digit strikeouts in five straight games. He looked phenomenal against UCLA last weekend. I was fortunate enough to watch that game because they finally put it on ESPNU. Um, if there's one time to ever back the Stanford Cardinal, it is with Quinn Matthews on the mound. Uh, this guy's just been lights out. And I got to be honest, like I I'm really shocked at some of the top 25 rankings and teams that D1 Baseball and a couple of these other programs uh, that are being put out. Um so I, I think ultimately here, Arizona State is not a good team. They're, they're a good Pac-12 team. They're a good West Coast team. They're not a team that's a real threat to win it all. I don't think any of them are. I think Stanford takes game one. And, you know, the good thing for us about Arizona State being a top 25 team is that this line is, is, might not be as big as it normally would be. You probably can get Stanford at like minus 135, something along those lines with – 
a premier ace pitching. And it's a no-brainer for me. I'm taking Stanford and Quinn Matthews, as I will every single Friday night. Yeah, he said it. I don't even really need to tie up any loose ends. I mean, like you said, you pick your spots, and Quinn Matthews is a spot we pick without question. I think another one, number 17, Oregon, is is going and playing Southern Cal. And I think Jay Stoffel is another guy, as far as Pac-12 pitchers, that you could back. I, I even like a little Quinn Matthews, Jay Stoffel parlay there if they both go on Friday. And then one more that I think is pretty intriguing, you've got Cal State Fullerton going to Fort Worth to play TCU in a series. This late in the season, it's kind of funny to, to bounce out a conference like that, which is a really good RPI rank for Cal State if they can they can take this series. But do you give the Titans a chance to beat the Horned Frogs on the road? Yeah, I do. I think they're playing for a lot more than TCU is. I think they're playing – they're trying to host out there out west. I mean, they're beating some good teams. They took the series against Texas. You know, they just – they won uh, last night. They've got some good RPI wins. They're not scared of, of good teams, and I'm not considering TCU a good team for a number of reasons, you know, injuries being one of them. I think they are going to go in there motivated, uh, something to prove, and I think they actually come out with a series win. Um, another team that kind of falls into this something to prove for me is Notre Dame tonight. I actually see them at plus 105, and I'm, I'm heavily looking at laying them. I don't think NC State – is as good as their record shows at 29 and 14. They're not great in ACC play. I believe they're eight and 12 or eight for eight and 13, something like that. Uh, and Notre Dame starting to play really good baseball, uh, really good team baseball. And they, they've won the last two series. Uh, they, they beat Virginia and they beat Florida state at home and they have the fortune of getting NC state at home. So I actually kind of like uh, the home dog tonight. Yeah. I'm interested to see what that number is for Cal state Fullerton. Uh, TCU is one in five against RPI top 25 through 50 and Cal state sitting at 41. So that's not, it's not very good. I think the Titans can definitely win that game. Isn't it bizarre? The whole series. Isn't it bizarre that Cal state Fullerton, a team that we've kind of mentioned in certain spots throughout the whole year of like, maybe we take them in, in this position to pull off a big upset because they've been like plus 180 plus 190 favorites a lot. And now they're top 25. I mean, you know, I, I know what your motto is. You know, you get guys from Florida and California, the excess, the surplus, they're still really good. And that's why these smaller teams are, are end up being legit programs. I just don't know if I buy Cal State Fullerton uh, being a, a real program that's going to be capable of hosting and be a threat to one at all. But in terms of like this matchup here, TCU has been a colossal disappointment. And I, I would hope that Cal State Fullerton is a big enough underdog to where we can take advantage at plus money. But, you know, unfortunately the bookmakers don't pay attention to this like we do. And they'll just see a top 25 in front of a team and say, oh, wow, they're really good. Now we have to adjust the, the, the numbers accordingly. You know, th that kind of thing might be something that is a little bit more on the annoying side of the whole handicapping situation. But I do think Cal State Fullerton is capable of taking the series. Dude, they're having a good week, man. Top 25 ranked, which I don't think any of us really saw coming, like for real. And uh, their proud alumni, Taylor Bybee, or Tanner Bybee, is just off to an awesome start for the Cleveland Guardians. 
Yep. And two other teams I, I like for a parlay. You've got Campbell this weekend. I think they bounce back and get a series sweep. And then I also like Trent Sellers going with Oregon State as they host, I think, Utah. Uh, outside of that, do you guys have anything else to wrap up the show? I got nothing. Uh, Lean in Notre Dame tonight. If I have an official play, I'll post it. But outside of that, nothing for, for the show. Uh, right. Yeah, I have – so I have a like a thought, you know, if we're talking about not just this week, but like the futures overall. But where do you see this playing out and um, what kind of teams are you guys looking at to maybe really make a run outside of like the LSUs, the Floridas, the Wake Forests? I think. I think uh, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say outside of the top, like, 14 teams I don't I really don't think that there's going to be a lot of parity I think the cream is going to rise to the top and you're going to have you know teams West Virginia could maybe make some noise JJ Weatherholt is absolutely phenomenal um, Miami's coming along right now Coastal Carolina can hit with anybody I just I don't trust the pitching on on any of those teams I named so I think ultimately when you're talking you know, getting in a regional, yeah, you can probably get past a regional with not great pitching. But when you get to the super regional and you you got to win, you know, two out of three, that's when you really need solid pitchers. And and I just don't – I think the, the gap between the haves and have-nots as far as great pitching staffs, I think it's too great. I think you're going to see a lot of teams, you know, they may be able to hit really good one game, but like we saw in that Arkansas – uh, NC State Super Regionals, you know, where Arkansas took game 121 to two. You thought, all right, this is going to be an easy 2 0 sweep for Arkansas. And then all of a sudden, your bats don't show up for the next two games. So I, I just think it's really difficult to, to pick a team to go far that just doesn't have the pitching that you can trust. I got two teams. Uh, I mean, even though you said they're in the top 14, I think Coastal is a serious threat from a mid major standpoint. They just have that swagger that the, the 2016 team had. They stay in games. Their pitching is getting better as the year goes on. They they can hit with the best of the teams. The long ball. They can play short game. You know, they to me they just they have that complete game that will allow them to really upset somebody if if some team takes them lightly. The other team, and I don't know how much stock I put into them, but I think Oklahoma State could always make a run. They have the pitching. You know, with Abrams and Jaron Watts Brown, like on paper, they have the team to do it. We just haven't seen them do it this year. But I'll tell you, I mean, the last 10 years, Oklahoma State kind of baseball's run through their uh, baseball playoffs has, has run through Stillwater. So it's a team to watch, see what they do in the Big 12 tournament. They're a team that, you know, maybe you catch some really good odds and you kind of ride a, a magical train with. But I think on paper, they're one of the teams to watch. Um, yeah, I, I had my feelings about Oklahoma State. You know, they do have a talented team, but their bullpen is bad. And oh, it's they horrible. Just have, they have just too many no-shows from their starters. Like, they're the kind of team that if their starters don't show up or they give you only four innings, you're in for an absolute bloodbath. And their hitting yeah, isn't sure. good enough. Their hitting isn't good enough to overcome that. For like, sure. they don't have the offense that they had last year. 
And me personally, I think Oklahoma State's chance was last year. They had Justin Campbell, who was a certified ace. They had a couple other guys in the lineup, like Griffin Dorshing. And, you know, uh, me personally, I think Oklahoma State, you know, they might get to a super regional, but I don't know if they get much farther than that. You hit the nail on the head with me with Coastal. Um, you know, I think Coastal should, at the end of the day, as long as they kind of finish strong, should host a regional. Uh, Campbell, I really don't understand why projection wise, they're not in line to host as a team that might win 40 plus games, win their conference and has been kind of a top 15 ranked seed for the last three weeks. Um, but ultimately I do believe that Campbell is a team that's going to be a threat because their pitching is kind of coming along as well. And, I feel like Campbell is a team that can beat anybody. They are, they're going to be a nightmare. So for me, it's Wake Forest, Coastal Carolina and Campbell. And, you know, Tennessee is coming along as well. So 15 to one, if you wanted to pick like two, 250 bucks and throw on the volunteers, because now's a good time to get in some value. Wouldn't hate it. Yep. And that's exactly why you wait on the, the odds. If you like somebody like LSU, don't bet them at four to one. I really think you're going to get a better price, especially if they have an earlier exit in the SEC tournament. I think you may be able to get them. What I think Tennessee opened like seven to one, and they eight finally to one. I okay. wait. Sorry, before before we log off here, uh, do you guys buy Duke? I don't buy Duke's ascension into the top ten. I don't understand why they're the tenth ranked. I understand they've had three good series wins against ranked opponents the last three weeks, but you know. Their odds have ascended. Them in the top 25 has ascended. Like, nobody buys them, right? I mean, or am I crazy? Like, maybe Duke, they get out of the region. Duke is the ACC version of what Kentucky was. They they rose up real fast, started getting a lot of respect, and they fizzled out. I think that's what happens to Duke. I think mean, give it two more weeks, they're going to be out of the top 25. Yeah, I think Duke's best chances when they had Jeff Conan's son – a couple years ago, and I don't think that team is better than uh, than where they were back. Uh, this team is better than that. I don't. I don't think so. I think you guys just hit it on the head. I'm not buying it. All right. Well, Johnny VTV, thank you for joining us. Give the people the info on where to find your work. Yeah, of course. So definitely, always follow me on Twitter, baby, at underscore Johnny VTV. I'm on Instagram, Johnny VTV underscore. And TikTok Johnny VTV. You can always find my betting and writing samples on Bet Karma at betkarma.com slash Johnny VTV. Don't forget to subscribe and check out all my work. We're in the middle of a goddamn heater right now. We just smashed the Detroit Tigers money line underdog at home plus 160 against Justin Verlander in his return. And then we're going to hit Kevin Gausman. Alternate strikeout prop, 10-plus Ks at plus 830. Get your ass on Bet Karma and subscribe to Johnny B TV. You heard. Q, can you top that? I can. I'm just going to tell you to follow College Baseball Insiders and follow our Twitters. Uh, I, go. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Cash some tickets this weekend.